Friends, I'd like to uh, say thank you for all of you who've been praying for me <laughs> the last couple of weeks. I've uh, been ill and uh, <clears throat> seems, uh, seem to have stopped coughing, which is uh, good uh, as you proclaim the good news, unless you can uh, interpret cough. And uh, also, um, my, my preparation today has been a little different. I've uh, been... Um, largely unable to prepare to preach the way that I typically do, so um, I'm even more um, in tune today than ever that I pray um, the Lord be with you, not because we have to, but because we need to. So let's pray. Jesus, uh, make your home in us today, here. Be, uh, be, be incarnate here today, in your body, among your people, by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Stephen read from the prophet Micah these words, he will stand and shepherd in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord as God. They will dwell secure because he will surely become great throughout the earth. He will become our peace or one of peace. Friends, today we proclaim um, that uh, those in our world who are in power, they seek to demonize or dominate others in order to make peace. The world is really into building walls and declaring wars in order to demonize and dominate others to make for peace. But this isn't the peace of God. Today we proclaim that Jesus Christ himself is our peace. He is the powerless, the marginalized, the weak one, the ancient one who makes peace by delivering others through his his weakness. Now, uh, we've got some kids in the service today, right? So I'll I'll make sure, I'm going to try to change some words here. Did not expect, this was more of a PG-13 sermon, but uh, I I will change some words today, and I want you, uh, the kids who are here, I want you to listen for two stories. I'm going to tell one at the beginning and one at the end. And then after we get done preaching, we're going to respond in prayer, and I want you to think about who you can pray for, and feel free to pray out loud as we pray together as a congregation. Um, I was thinking about you kids because when I was, when I was your age, uh, I was in um, elementary school in the 80s, and we regularly did uh, little school drills for like, like a nuclear war drill. Does, does anybody remember this? Yeah, I, w- I was a Cold War kid, and so we would come out into the hallway I was eight or nine, and we'd bring our thickest, we were told to bring our thickest textbook, which is always my math book, and we were to sit down on the ground with our knees uh, up uh, to our chest and our head between our knees and put our book over our heads and, and sit there until they blew the thing. And I remember, I was like in third grade, I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. I've seen pictures of a nuclear bomb. There is no way this will help me at all, right? Uh, today, you still do drills. Uh, you know, what was nuclear bomb uh, threats in the 80s is now active shooter threats uh, in our day. But I, I also remember one of the endearing memories of my childhood was in 1989 when, 
uh, Ronald Reagan had that press conference in Berlin, and he was speaking to Mikhail Gorbachev, right? And he said, Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And for years, for years, I believed the story I was told by America, which is the reason why communism fell is because America won the Cold War. Thanks be to Star Wars. <laughs> and, and all those nuclear bomb drills that I went through, right? Um, now, uh, I'm sure there was some uh, effect that the sort of mutually assured destruction deterrent of violence had on my safety and the end of the Cold War, but there is another story that's told about how the wall fell. Some of you know the story, but it has to do with churches in Germany, churches in Leipzig, which is a city in East Germany. I'm, I'm going to read you the story. Disillusioned uh, with the Berlin Wall, which was the physical fault line of the ongoing Cold War and the oppressive East German regime, Pastor Christian Führer, unfortunate last name, but he was German, Pastor Christian Führer began organizing prayers for peace every Monday evening beginning in 1982. Do some of you know the story? 1982. On many occasions, fewer than a dozen people attended the prayer meetings at St. Nicholas Church. The East German government strongly discouraged its citizens from becoming involved in religious activities, but the meetings continued each Monday without fail. In 1985, Pastor Führer put an open-to-all sign outside the church. Such a gesture was loaded with symbolism as the church provided the only space in East Germany where people could talk about things that could not be discussed in public. Things came to a head on the 7th of October, 1989, the 40th anniversary of the German Democratic Republic. Here's a quote. There were hundreds of arrests made among the, among the crowds in front of uh, Nikolai Church. Erich Honecker, the communist leader of East Germany, declared that the church should be closed. The police used brute force against the demonstrators, and lots of people were beaten, Pastor Führer recalled. An article appeared in a local newspaper announcing that the counter-revolution would be put down on Monday, the 9th of October, with, quote, whatever means was necessary. People involved in the prayer meetings feared a bloodbath with the memory of the Tiananmen Square massacre in China that summer still fresh in their minds. Here's another quote. The church was visited by doctors who told us that hospital rooms had been made available for patients with bullet wounds. So we were absolutely terrified of what might happen. On that 9th of October, 1989, as Leipzingers returned home from work, they saw the city filled with soldiers and police, increasing the sense of foreboding. Liana, who was a member of the, the, uh, a women's group called Women for Peace, who helped organize the prayer meetings, recalled the overriding feeling on the day was fear. I had lost custody of my children, she said for a while, and they even threatened to put my youngest daughter into a children's home. The official documents said I was unfit as a mother because I was involved in extremist groups. Up to 8,000 people gathered in St. Nicholas Church, including members of the feared Stasi, which was the secret police, who had been sent to occupy it. Other Leipzig churches opened to accommodate additional protesters. 70,000 people gathered in the city. (sighs) 
After an hour-long church service at St. Nicholas, Pastor Fearher led worshipers outside. The nearby plaza was filled with demonstrators clutching lit candles. Slowly, the crowd, tens of thousands of people, began walking around the city, past the Stasi headquarters, chanting, We are the people, and no violence and accompanied by thousands of helmeted riot police ready to intervene. The tension was palpable, but at the decisive moment, the police stood aside and let the protesters march by. Pastor Fuhrer said, they didn't attack. They had nothing to attack for. East German officials would later say they were ready for anything except for candles and prayer. Pastor Fearher uh, later says, what moved me the most was that people who had grown up in two atheistic dictatorships, first the Nazis and then the communist regimes, were able to distill the message of Jesus into two words, no violence. Without the church, it would have been like all other revolutions before, bloody and unsuccessful. Pastor Fearher said their actions had not been about boosting attendance. He just says, we did it because the church has to do it. We did it because the church has to do it. Those in worldly power seek to demonize and dominate others. They build walls and they declare wars to bring peace. But that isn't the peace of God. Today we proclaim Jesus Christ is our peace. He is the powerless, marginalized, meek one who makes peace not by demonizing or dominating, but by delivering those, others, in his weakness. In his weakness. Friends, this text that we're reading from Micah, the 8th century uh, BCE, uh, uh, Assyria is this foreign power that is breathing down Israel's neck. The northern kingdom has already fallen, Israel. Judah, the southern kingdom, which endured for several hundred years later, was still around. Uh, and the kings during Micah's day were like Jotham and Hezekiah and Ahaz. And uh, if you read, you know, uh, Old Testament, these weren't good dudes. The prophets did not like these dudes. They were, they were bad dudes, right? They were not faithful to God. And so one of the ways they kept peace with Assyria is they paid tribute to the Assyrians. Sennacherib was the leader who eventually sacked Jerusalem. And so uh, for about a century, the kings in, in Jerusalem paid tons and tons of money to the Assyrians to keep them at bay from sacking Judah as well, which led to an economic crisis in Judah. Because when the rich are forced to pay money they didn't pay before, they take it from the poor. Right? I mean, this is, this is standard operating procedure. There is no money. There is no money for teachers or healthcare, but we have trillions of dollars to fight wars. This is how it works. Sorry if I haven't, nobody's ever told you this before. This is how it works. And it's always worked like this. So, Judah is in an economic crisis. There's refugees coming from northern, from the northern, uh, from Israel that are streaming in. 
There's an economic depression. Money's being paid to Assyria to keep them at bay. Meanwhile, Sennacherib is going all through Judah, ransacking and pillaging uh, all the towns in Judah. And Micah's one of these outside of Jerusalem in the small town prophet decrying the kingship of Israel because they're playing worldly political game, games. They're not working. The own people are suffering for it. And he's crying out for a return to the ancient kingship of David from Bethlehem. Let's go back. Remember, remember the seventh son, the youngest, the one that you had to go get in, in the shepherd's field? Let's go back to the little guy. Let's reclaim the, king, the kingship. Micah is saying those in power, are, are, they're, they're demonizing and dominating it's all about walls and wars. It's, gonna, it's, it's awful. But the peace of God is not like that. The peace of God works through marginalized, weak, humble beginnings. And, it, and the peace of God delivers others in that weakness. So we see this in Micah and in Mary's song, friends. There's strength from weakness. right? Micah says, from Bethlehem of Ephrathah, Right? We see from the womb of a 14-year-old virgin who lives in Galilee. Mary says he has looked with favor on the lowly status of his servant. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the arrogant thoughts of the proud. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. The strength of God that brings peace is a strength of weakness of a reversal of power. It isn't playing the world's games better than the world, it's unending the world's games. Turning over the tables, not building bigger ones. Second, this, this, this shepherd will be in the strength of the Lord. Not military alliances that demonize and dominate others, but the protection and provision of the meek. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The strength that God uses isn't to dominate the problem, but it's to deliver the people caught up in the problem, friends. That's the peace of God. And third, there's strength from weakness, shepherd in God's strength, which is different than the world's strength, and then there's, there's a peace. Micah talks about, this is the same prophet who promises that, that one day... One day the armies will beat their swords into plows, right? That the, the instruments used for destruction will become instruments of cultivation and provision. Mary says he has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy just as he promised his ancestors. There is this longing in Micah's day and in Mary's day for peace. Peace in the midst of violent, oppressive rulers who seek to make peace by demonizing or dominating others, who, who, take the, who marginalize people in order to consolidate and secure some kind of limited peace. Today we proclaim that is not the peace of God. But Jesus Christ is our peace. He is that powerless, marginalized, meek one. He is the one that the powerful want to 
put under their thumb in order to secure something great for them. But Jesus comes as one of those people to deliver all of us, all of us, from that game. From demonizing and dominating other people, he delivers us in his, the strength of his weakness, friends. That's the hope of Advent. Now, here's my issue with this. Not only have I been on my back for a week and a half, um, but uh, also I'm a person, if you didn't know, who has lived uh, his life uh, having more in common with Hezekiah and Ahaz than I do with Micah. I'm a uh, person who's lived with power, and I have a thoroughly American and, uh, I would say, worldly imagination for how to live at peace. Micah and Mary, they get it. Um, and so does my friend Candace. So this is the second story I want to tell you kids. My, fr- my friend Candace, I think, gets it. I want to tell her story, and I want to share why I think she gets it, and then we're going to respond in prayer, calling out for peace. So Candace... Um, is a friend of mine, she posted a letter on her social media with this title. Quote, I wanted the best way to tell my neighbor that he tried it with his late night party. So I wrote him a letter and baked him a cake. Uh, So the problem that she has comes out in the letter, and I'll read it to you now. Uh, This is her. This is a letter. Um, I won't tell you everything that's happening because in later posts she explains more of the story, and I think it's better told the way she tells it. Hey, I hope you're well, she says in her letter. We haven't formally met, and I hate we're doing so under these circumstances. When you come home every evening and blast music, I've come to expect it. Sometimes it's a song I hadn't heard in a while, and I appreciate the throwback. Other times, it's something I've never heard before, and I've been able to Google a few lyrics and add it to my weekly playlists. (laughs) To be fair, you've helped me catch a vibe. But last night... Fam, you tried it. You really, really did. I don't know if you were hosting the official after party for our apartment building's holiday social or single-handedly determining this generation's R&B king, but 3 a.m. is just too late to be that loud. At 3.26, I couldn't tell if you were playing some up-tempo hits from The weekend or you pushed shuffle on some house techno. Either way, I could have done without that part of the set. At 3.47, I realized it was much more advantageous to reflect on your musical tastes and eat potato chips than it was to try to sleep. You really love a piano solo and some soulful drums. At 3.55 a.m., I should be dreaming about all the things... I should be dreaming about Michael B. Jordan and or Malik Yoba. I should not be up singing Maxwell's Ascension simply because you want to be the second floor's DJ. At 4.07, you settled down. I really appreciated that. In the future, as you're hosting your kickbacks and come-throughs, please remember the rest of us. As a peace offering, I hope you will enjoy this pound cake. At 3.30, when I decided to bake it for you, (laughs) I realized I was taking your feelings into much more consideration than you were taking mine. I hope that changes, especially since I'm only three months into my 13-month lease. Happy holidays, and I look forward to officially meeting you soon, your neighbor, Candace. 
So she posts this letter on social media, and then she starts getting comments, and so she's replying to those comments. And I'm just going to read you her, I mean, I could tell you the story, but she does a much better job. So she just says, uh, the update is, thankfully, there is no update. I knocked on his door, but he didn't answer, so I had to leave the cake and the note in a bag on his door. And when I left, it wasn't on his door anymore, so I'm taking that to mean he got and read it. Then she says, quote, why didn't you just go over there? This is some of the critiques she got. She says this, I live alone. I don't know who and what I could have met going by myself, and it was 3 a.m., I'm not getting dressed to leave my apartment at 3 a.m. because someone wants to be inconsiderate. Plus, I couldn't find my bra. <laughs> it was 3 a.m. Candace was a woman, is a woman. Uh, quote, why didn't you call 911? I, all caps, only call police for emergencies. They are killing us every other day and getting away with it. Had anything resulted in an unfortunate outcome, not only would my safety be at risk, I'd feel horrible. I don't call the police on us if I can help it. Did I mention Candace is black? She goes on. Ultimately, as a single woman, a single black female, I got to be mindful of how I navigate these 10 situations. I have to live here too. I knew I needed to say something. I wasn't looking for a way that didn't make it confrontational. Plus, I really love to bake. I know folks are saying that they wouldn't eat the cake, but I hope he takes into consideration that I put my real name on the letter and wouldn't incriminate myself and just wouldn't be that mean, LOL. So I hope he eats the cake, but more than that, I hope he doesn't do that shenanigans again. <laughs> and his music tonight, she says, this is a later update, his music tonight is the lowest it has ever been, all caps. Hashtag prayer and pound cake work. All right? There's more. All caps, update. I just met my neighbor, Tommy. He's so freaking cool. He apologized for the noise, promised to invite me to the next party, and most importantly, all caps, he said my pound cake was amazing. Uh, next update. My neighbor is a music video producer. Everything makes sense now. Next update. While talking to Tommy, I learned that he's new to the area as well, and this is his first Christmas without his daughter, who passed away earlier this year in a car accident. Next update. Y'all know how rough grieving was for me in the months following Mama's death. I can only imagine what it would have felt like for someone to confront me with anger when I'm trying my best to get through my first holiday season. It was a sweet and gentle reminder that we never know what folks are going through, and it's always best to lead with kindness. When we can extend grace, we really should. Those in power, friends, those who have never been on the wrong side of power, they try to make peace by demonizing and dominating others. They build walls, they declare wars, or they let their words fly. But this isn't the peace of God. The peace of God revealed in Jesus Christ, this Advent, is that our deliverance from violence comes through powerless, marginalized weakness by humbly submitting ourselves to others, opening up space for God's peace. Candace reached out in weakness and humility. Did you notice that? 
She used humor. She was trying to be, uh, trying to say, hey, this isn't okay, but here's some cake and here's some funniness, and I'm going to let you into my life a bit. I'm going to be vulnerable with you and tell you about I was up and what I was doing. She had no power, and as a single black woman, she's really aware that she doesn't have any power, and so she doesn't, didn't seek to demonize or dominate Tommy. She went toward her enemy with a gift and delivered both of them from being enemies. This, this is the hope of Advent, friends. This is the gift of Jesus. God sends us a pound cake. He comes toward us, not in a coercive show of power, not with ammunition to demonize the really bad people so all of us good people at church on Christmas can feel good, better about ourselves. But he works quietly in the womb of a single 14-year-old girl from the wrong side of the tracks. This is the peace that God brings. This is the peace of Advent. So how do we respond to this? Well, uh, we're going to pray. There's a prayer in your booklet um, here uh, about uh, calling out to God for peace. It goes like this. Uh, God of justice and peace. We pray specifically for blank. Friends, who needs peace today? Who's being demonized? Maybe it's you. You know you can bring that here. Who's being dominated? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's someone you love. Maybe it's someone you don't even know, but you want to call out for and cry out to on their behalf. And then we, we say to God, deliver them in your strength. May your peace be victorious this Christmas. Your peace. And we'll pray, Lord, in your mercy, and we'll all say amen. Okay? But first, let me just, let me just throw this out. Friends, this is something that's really captured my heart. And uh, this Christmas, I mean, the theme is the politics of Christmas. Christmas isn't this nice little spiritual sort of fairy tale that we tell this time of year to justify our uh, extravagant spending, but rather it's this deep invasion into the hostile territory of this world of God's peace and justice. And his kingdom is thoroughly political, but it doesn't line up with our kingdoms. It cuts right to the heart of all our allegiances and alliances, all the benefits we get from certain things and not from others. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm aware of is that um, there, there's, a, there's a lot about my perspective as a white dude where I, I don't get injustice the way other people do. I don't see it. Uh, and so a friend of ours who's uh, Japanese, his name is Meiko Nagasawa. He's, he's written a a 13-week study, and it's called A Long Repentance, Exploring Christian Mistakes in Race, Politics, and Justice in the United States. And it's, uh, we're going we're gonna to go through this as a church uh, during Epiphany and Lent. Uh, usually Lent is a time of repentance, but we're going to need a few extra weeks. Uh, we're going to need a few extra weeks. Uh, and... And uh, Mako has written this study, and it really is, uh, it's, it's a class, but it's not so much a teaching, it's more of a discussion. Like, we need spaces to open up 
to talk about things and wrestle with things and disagree with things and, and hold things up and own our own, like, complicity but also, like, conflict? Like, we need spaces for that. And there aren't many. And so we want to create, as a response to this and other things we've been preaching in Advent, we want to create this space, uh, and we feel like it would, it would be fitting for um, a non-Western person to lead us through that. So Mako uh, has written this. He's even offered to um, ma- maybe uh, help in other ways too. We'll see if we can do that. But we'll either do that Sunday mornings or a Tuesday night online. We'll figure that out. I just want you to know, friends, this is really important to us. This is an ancillary to the gospel. This is vital and center because it's vital and center to Luke and Mary and Micah and God's church. But let's pray today as, as, as priests, as a kingdom of ambassadors to God's mercy. Let's pray for those who are suffering, those who are hurting. This will be our prayers for the people today as well. So God of justice and peace, we pray specifically for blank. Deliver them in your strength. May your peace be victorious this Christmas. We'll say, Lord, in your mercy, and then we'll all reply, hear our prayer. Let's spend some time praying together.